Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. purpose of the church. Why do we gather together? What is our purpose of a church? Well, one, it's to minister to God. We're supposed to minister to him. So we come and we worship him like we did this morning. We worship the father. The second thing is we minister to people. We nurture each other. We build each other up. We strengthen one another. That's why we come together. The other thing the church is supposed to do, the purpose of it is to minister to the world evangelism and mercy. We extend God's gospel to people. We show mercy and love to them. That's why our heart's desire is to plant a church in St. Mary's is because we need to reach more people. Do you know how many lost people are in this world? A pile. I've done the math. I've talked to pastors in town. Our signs in Stratford say 34,000. I don't think they've been updated for a really long time because I just see a ton of subdivisions being built everywhere. So I've done the math. If every church in Stratford fills them over twice, if we, everybody went to two services, we still won't be able to fit all the people in Stratford into those churches. So hear me. I will never apologize for wanting to grow our church because the purpose of growing our church is not to have a big church. The purpose of growing our church is to do what God has called us to do. It's go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, get people saved. So when I talk about growing the church, it's about reaching lost souls. For that, I will never apologize. Because we should have a heart's desire to reach the lost. The fact that you are not clapping about reaching the lost makes me feel like I'm by myself doing this. But you should have a passion. You should have a passion about reaching your neighbors. And if you're sitting there right now going, well, Chad, you don't know my neighbors. Their their dog poops on my lawn every morning. then you need to pray for a heart for your neighbors because God looked past your poop to bring you into relationship, so you should look past theirs. The other thing that we're supposed to do, the fourth one, is to be the pillar and cornerstone of truth. The church is supposed to bring truth and bring light and strengthen people. So that's the purpose of the church. What I want to talk to you this morning about is the benefits of a local church. What is the benefit of this place? Now, understand my heart. My heart is not to sit here and tell you why you should come and what benefits you, but that's actually what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the benefits of you coming to church. Now, hear me. When I talk about coming to church, I actually mean the building. I mean being in a room together. So the first thing is this. The first one is this. The benefits of the local church, it will protect you from deception. It will protect you from deception. Because see, what we understand as we talked earlier is we are supposed to be about truth. So a good place to begin the discussion is the benefits of a local church is to talk about how it protects us from deception. 1 Timothy 3, verse 14 to 15, it says this, I'm writing these things to you so that If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, 
which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. As we said, we're supposed to be a pillar. We're supposed to be a buttress of truth. Now, if most of you are like me and you see the word buttress, you giggle, and then you're like, what does that mean? So I actually looked it up. It's a projecting support of stone or brick built against a wall, a projecting portion of a hill or mountain. That's what a buttress is. Was I the only one that giggled when I read that the first time? Let's you know of my maturity level at times. But the church, we support truth. Apart from the church, you are alone and by yourself an easy prey for deception. See, a lot of individualist Christians believe and think that they're not deceived. That they can just do church wherever they want. They can do it from home. But here's the problem with that. You don't know when you're deceived. If you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be deceived. That's what it means to be deceived. So if you're sitting here and you're like, or you're watching online, you're like, well, that's not me. Well, the only reason to, when we're deceived, the only reason is because we don't know we're deceived. If you knew you were deceived, guess what you would stop being? Deceived. Right? Like, you're only deceived to a point when you realize you're not deceived anymore. Then your light turns on and you're like, oh, wait a minute. We need to integrate ourselves into a church through fellowship. Putting ourselves together and anchoring ourselves to the truth so that we cannot be easily swayed by deception and false doctrines. You need to be together. You need to be with one another so we can encourage each other and go, I don't think that's what it means. I don't think that's what God wants you to do. I don't think that's what God is saying. Ephesians 4, 14 to 16 says, When we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves or blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful schemings, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will be in all things grown up and into him who is the head that is Christ. Again, here in Ephesians, safety from deception and false teaching is found in the church as we join together growing up in Christ. Do you know that you've never finished growing up in Christ? I don't want to center people out, but if you are over the age, I'm going to go really high just so we don't take too long. Anybody over the age of 90? Nobody? We'll go 85. I see people poking people, but it kind of makes it humorous for me. You can't see what I see. I see people poking each other and be like, no. Oh, over the age of 80. Oh, hand back here. So hand back in the corner. Oh, another hand over here. I see those hands. So I can pick on them because I know them and I think they love me. But you guys aren't done growing up in Christ. You're not done maturing in Christ. There's still stuff that he's revealing to you. There's still stuff he's teaching you. So let's realize something. 
If they're still learning about Christ, how much more do you and I have to learn? And we learn from reading his scriptures. Yes, but we learn from each other. We learn by talking and connecting with one another. This is why it's so important to be together. The second benefit of the church is to experience the presence of God. Experience the presence of God. We experience that presence this morning. Now, one of the primary ways in which we can experience it and know Jesus is through the church. Now, here's the dilemma. Do I believe that you can meet with God in your own home? Yes, I do. Do I believe that God's presence will follow you wherever you go? Yes, absolutely. Do I tell you that, hey, the presence you felt here today, you can feel at home? Yes. But do you want to know the presence that you can't feel at home? The presence that when you walk in and you say, I'm here because I'm supposed to be here, but my life sucks right now and I don't feel like worshiping God. And so I'm just going to sit here and let everybody else do it. And I'll put a fake smile on my face. And if I do this as a Christian, everybody will think it's good. And then all of a sudden, God's presence shows up because the people around you are worshiping. And you begin to feel his presence in a fresh way. Because in the moment, yeah, your life stinks. Things you're walking through are tough and it's hard and you don't want to worship. And you're being the two-year-old, it's like, no. If you're looking at me like you've never done it, you're just lying to yourselves. You're deceived. But then all of a sudden, God's presence shows up that you actually weren't even looking for. And you walk out encouraged and feeling different. Because you showed up on a Sunday morning, not even sure if God cared about you. And then all of a sudden, somebody started speaking in tongues and you were like, what in the world is that? And then all of a sudden you began to hear words in English and you were like, oh my goodness, God's speaking to me this morning. And if you were at home, you would not have encountered it the same way. This is the benefit of gathering together. In Philippians, Paul raved about the benefits of knowing Jesus. And in Ephesians, he went on to say that you really, if you want to really experience Jesus, the chief way of doing this is through the church. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone in which the whole structure, the whole structure, the whole universe church, all of them, all together, not just one, all of them, joining together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also, you also are being built together in the dwelling place of God for God by the Spirit. In him, you also, is the local church, us, are being built together in the dwelling place of God by the Spirit. This passage tells us both, the larger church and the smaller church, the individual churches where we gather, 
God wants to build there. Thus he's saying that God also builds his local church as a dwelling place. He dwells here. This is where we experience him. Matthew 18, 20, it says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. See, what you have to realize is, yes, the spirit of God, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So wherever you are, you can experience his presence. Where you go, he's with you. But if we understand that God is omnipresent, he's everywhere, so you can be with him everywhere, why does the scripture say to us, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. There is a different manifestation presence of God when two or three are gathered with the purpose of worshiping him. There's a difference. See, many churches, and we've experienced visitations of God, revivals and such, but God's ultimate goal is for us not to experience visitation. He wants every one of us to experience habitation where he is living with us. That when you drive onto these grounds, you're going to feel his presence. I believe that there's a day coming that when people drive onto our grounds, they feel healing hit their body before they even step out of the car. That we're going to hear of people, and you have no idea how many people pull UEs in our parking lot, cut through our parking lot because they don't like the stop sign. I'm believing there's going to be days where they go to cut through here and they're healed. I believe there's going to be days where they go to just turn around and they sense a presence of God and they begin to encounter God in their car. We don't even know it, but we begin to hear words of it because there's a habitation of his presence in this building and on these grounds. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will, shall be my people. The key purpose of the church is to be a place for God to live so that we can enjoy his presence. See, in the Old Testament, God dwelt in the temple built by hands. God's presence entered the temple. When you read that scene, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1 to 3, it says this. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of God on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Now God dwells in the church and his dwelling place is there is where he lives. And we can experience him there, assuming that we aren't attending a dead church where God no longer resides. And I don't believe we are dead church. Paul said the presence of God is far better reward than any other answer to prayer or miracle or blessing that God could give us. What you have to realize is if you're looking for God to do something in your life, you can ask him the why questions or if something happened, you can ask him the why. You may never get an answer. You may never like the answer. But I always say, if you ask God for his presence, you will always love his presence. See, when you experience the ultimate 
pleasure of being in God's presence. We'll have no appetite. We won't. We won't have an appetite for lesser pleasures. Or as Hebrew writer put it, the fleeting pleasures of sin. When you encounter his presence in your life, you will not have the pleasures of sin. You'll just desire his presence. We're deceived if we think we can cut ourselves off from the church and not be affected and not have it affect our relationship with God. Remember it earlier? If you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be deceived. Well, let me ask you this question. As we talk about making sure we're coming to church to be with people, and if we're not coming, we think, oh, I can do this at home, I can do this at home. Let me ask you a question. If you think that's possible, it's not going to affect your relationship. How do you think it would affect my marriage if I said to Melissa, I still want to be married, I still want a relationship, I'm just going to live in a different house? Some of you might be like, well, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Actually, you haven't even thought of this. Getting a fresh revelation from the Father. No. This is where you have friends with you to say, nope, you were deceived. That's not what he was saying. <laughs> Maybe at first it's not going to hurt the relationship. Maybe at first, just like some of you maybe went, well, that's not a bad idea. Maybe at first it actually might help the relationship. But every one of you know it would not take long for that relationship to fade. But yet we believe our relationship with God will be strengthened on our own time and not gathering together. Now, should you feed yourself God's word? Yes. You shouldn't expect to eat one meal a week and survive. We would never do that physically. So don't do it spiritually. Feed yourself at home, but realize the importance of coming together. We talked about that God promises a unique manifestation presence to the corporate body. The third thing is this. For the spiritual growth and maturity, we gather together for spiritual growth and maturity. See, it's not just your favorite preacher that you get to watch online, you get to listen to in the car, any of that stuff. You need each other. We have to understand that it's important for us to be connected to a local church, a local pastor, a local community. Apart from the ministry of a whole church, we simply won't grow. You have to understand a spruce tree, for it to grow well, it has to be planted in a soil that has a balance of 12 nutrients. If you plant them in a soil with an imbalanced nutrient soil, they won't grow. They will not grow. So you need to be planted in the soil of a local church because we need all parts of the church local body as a whole. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 says this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor against the head, or again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. You saw this morning how you came in this morning and we heard different spiritual gifts used that you won't hear on your own. It's the gathering together. Every one of us only has a couple spiritual gifts. We need to be in the fellowship and submission to one another 
who have other spiritual gifts so that we can mutually benefit from others' gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. That's why we have spiritual gifts, to strengthen each other, to help each other. So it's not your favorite preacher online. It's actually not just your Bible. It's not just reading your Bible. The whole church is needed for spiritual maturity. Now, Chad, how can you say it's not just reading your Bible? Well, first off, if you look at the church in Acts and how they grew and how they expanded and grew in maturity, they met together. And guess what they didn't have? They didn't have a Bible. Because it was not made. So they met together. They talked about God. They talked about the Spirit, what the Spirit was saying. They talked about the Old Testament. They had those scrolls. And they talked about life and worked together. If we could get everything that we needed from the scriptures and just from God, then why would God give some to be teachers? Why would God, who walked with Adam, say it was not good for Adam to be alone? Do you understand that? God and Adam walked in the garden together, and God said, you know what? It's not good for Adam to be alone. Every one of us, as a Christian, probably thought at some point in our lives, I just need Jesus. You do, but you need fellow believers with you to walk together. This is what he built us for. Ephesians 4.11 says this, It was he who gave some to apostles, to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. And then look at what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, 4, and then 2, 2 Timothy 4.2. I just kind of put them together. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, preach the word, correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Paul is telling Timothy to engage with the church. All of these things, all of these actions are supposed to be done in the church. Paul said that exhortation, teaching, preaching, correction, rebuke, and encouragement were all to be exercised in the church. Clearly, we can't do this on our own. When was the last time that you honestly corrected yourself or rebuked yourself? Right? I don't know about you. It is so much easier for me to find the speck in your eye than the plank in mine. Man, I can find your speck so easy, but for some reason, I cannot see that massive, like, 10 by 10 sticking out of my eye. I won't even say 2 by 4. We all know. It's like a 10 by 10. It's got to be at least 20 feet long. This is why we need other people in our lives. And it's not just Jesus. The whole church is needed for spiritual maturity. We need to be connected as a body of Christ. We can receive grace. We can receive life directly from God. John 15, 4 says, As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can we unless you abide in me. I get that. But we can't receive all, everything, 
from directly from God. We have to realize that his goodness, favor, and blessing and nourishment comes from other people. He uses other people. When did you need an encouraging word from God and all of a sudden somebody else gave it to you? Well, Chad, that's God. Yes, but through somebody else. This is why we need to be together. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the body, whole body joined and held together by every joint with, each, with which it is equipped. Then each part is properly, is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So realize, we need each other operating in their gifts. That means we need you here. We need you here operating your gifts so that you can minister to others. And while they operate in their gifts, they minister to you. And we grow together. It's the way God designed it. We are told to love one another. Do you know in the New Testament, or sorry, in the New Testament, there are 30 one another commands that can only be fulfilled in the church. It's when we're together. Over 30, one another. When you're one another, it's meant to be together. The fourth benefit of the church is this, and this is going to be a touchy one for some of you, but to get more of your prayers answered. Whoa, 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 Chad, you mean if I come to church, I get more of my prayers answered? What we're going to talk to and explain a little bit here is how this works. It's not a rub the genie, come in and just, you know, rub the wall of the church and get a prayer answered. That's not what it's about. It's about praying together. 2 Corinthians 1.11 says, you also must help us by prayer. This is Paul. Help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Through the prayers of many, not through my personal prayers, not through my individual time, through the prayers of many. That's why we gather together to pray. That's why on October 2nd, we're going to gather to pray together. That's why we open up the front of the church every week for people to pray with you. Because we need other people praying with us. We need to be engaged in ministries like small groups, corporate prayer meetings, additional prayer from the prayer team. These are the ways that we can receive prayer and have other people interceding for us. If you're not connected to a small group, this is your life source. This is where you build each other up. This is where you do life together. Our small groups are sermon-based, so you will talk about what I've talked about. But my heart for our small groups isn't that you become spiritually wise and spiritually fat and do nothing with it. My heart for our small groups is that you talk about Jesus, you talk about how that applies to your daily life, and then when your life flips upside down, you have people around you to hold you up. Where you can be honest, and you can say, hey, I know that this is what Chad said, but I don't understand how to apply that to my life. And somebody in your group goes, hey, you know what, this is what I've been doing. I don't know if it's right or if it works for you or not, but you talk life through. 
Because if we're all more honest with one another, I'm willing to bet that most of us have no idea what we're doing in life. You might have a plan, but how you're going to get there, you're actually not sure. And when you're operating through a plan, you're still going, I think I'm about 60% right. Well, what are you doing with the other 40? Steps of faith. And that's how we encourage one another. That's how we build each other up. It's praying together, being connected. The fifth thing is this, importance of coming together. It keeps us fervent. It keeps us energized for God. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of other, ourselves together in, as in, is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Exhorting one another, building each other up, encouraging one another. I want to challenge you that when you drive to church, instead of thinking how frustrated you are with your family on how hard it was to get out the door to come here, take a moment and ask the Father this question as you drive under the grounds. Maybe park the car and sit for a moment. And I want you to ask him just a couple questions. Why don't you ask the Father, God, do you have an encouraging word you want me to share with somebody? And maybe they'll put a name on your heart. Maybe they'll put a face. Maybe they'll give you a word. And then when you walk in, you'll find a face and go, that's who. I want you to know it's okay to encourage each other. I was at Home Hardware just on Friday. And almost every day this week when I drive down Mornington, as I'm driving to work or I'm just checking to make sure I'm going to a meeting or something, as I'm driving down Mornington, beginning of the day, I see a father walking his kids to school on Mornington. And I can tell by the way this man is dressed, I know exactly what construction company he works for. I don't know him, but I drive by all the time and I see him walking his kids to school at quarter to nine in the morning. And this is all I think. This guy either left his work site because if you work construction, you start before nine. Anybody in construction just kind of shook their head like, yeah, nine o'clock's coffee break. It's almost lunchtime. <laughs> so this guy has either left his site or has worked it out that he can come in late and work late. But as I drive by, this is the only thought I ever think in my head as I drive by and I see him. I have continually thought, has anybody told this dad how amazing of a job he's doing? Because what he thinks his kids probably don't care about, his kids will remember for the rest of their lives. This is what I think. And I've driven down the road going, God, man, I hope somebody just encourages this dad. Well, I walk into Home Hardware just to buy some lumber. And I was working most of the day already, so I was tired, sore. Well, who's in there buying lumber? This guy. As your pastor, I'm going to confess that the first thing I heard from God was, here you go. <laughs> Encourage him. The first thought through my head was, guys don't do this. And not in a hardware store. <laughs> right. That's what I heard. 
do it anyway. Now, I'll be honest, I saw him for about two seconds, and then he walked out. I didn't even have a chance to say hi. And I was kind of like, <laughs> wasn't hearing God clearly there. <laughs> Thank you. Jesus, I almost stepped in it and made a mistake for you. Get my bill, get in my car, drive over to where you get loaded up and everything is just as I start my car and turn. Here's Buddy strapping down wood on his truck. I'd like to say I sped over there so I made sure I had time to talk to him. I might have drove slow. I just want you to understand that I realize that some of this can be awkward. I realize that what I'm telling you doesn't come easy to everybody. I want you to know it doesn't come easy to me. But I now know a guy who was encouraged at the end of the week that he's a great dad. Because I told him. Now hear me. Please don't clap that I actually did it because here's the thing. I was Moses at the burning bush. Okay? I'm not going to stand before you that I saw him and I saw clouds part, heard the voice, tell him. And I just floated over to him and was like, God wants you to know. No. I literally was like, hey, are you the dude that walks his kids to school on Mornington? Like, let's be honest, that starts off creepy right away. (laughs) So I just encouraged him for a moment. And then I happened to have on my Heavenly Hoops basketball t-shirt. And he's like, you know what? I really think your shirt's cool. He's like, is that for this church right here? And I said, yeah. Oh, on a side note, we're going to be starting Heavenly Hoops up soon. So you can sign up for that really soon too. So for all the claps and cheers, we just took a snapshot of the room. And we expect all of you volunteering. We didn't actually take a snapshot of the room. Just, they have a camp? No, we don't. And then he said this, he's like, so do you go there? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And then I was like, I should actually tell him. I'm like, actually, I work there. Oh, what do you do there? I'm the lead pastor there. (laughs) To which he was like, are you serious? He's like, I probably, (laughs) it was awesome. And then we just talked. I don't know, I have no clue what me encouraging him did. Zero. He could have gotten his truck, drove away, and was like, that guy's crazy. That just tells me exactly what I believed. All Christians are nuts. He could have driven away like that. I have no idea. But I do believe that my God works in mysterious ways. So a father was just encouraged. He just met a Christian who honestly, the way he interacted with me made me believe he doesn't think we're all nuts. And I just, in my mind, encouraged, but threw out a seed of just that God still sees them. Guys, when we come together, we can encourage one another. You know, I shook hands this morning. Pastor Carlos said, hey, go shake some hands. I went around, shook some hands. I shook a hand with somebody. And they encouraged me this morning in a way that I just needed. Do you know that 
You have no idea what your encouragement to somebody in this room will say and will do for them. This is why we gather together, to spur each other on. I talked way too long there, so I'm just scrolling here to jump a little bit. When we come together to spur each other on, Galatians 6, 2 says this, we carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I'm here to carry some of your burdens. You're here to carry some of mine. We're here to lighten each other's burdens. Do you want to know how we do that? We begin to be honest with one another. I hope you see that I try to be as transparent as possible to you. I do that so you understand that not one single Christian in this room has it together. Can I tell you, if somebody that attends this church tells you they have it together, all together, and they are here to help and just nourish you and grow you and and they can just spiritually lead you, I give you permission to run away. Now, should there be people that are pouring into your life that are a little bit spiritually ahead of you? Yes, that's what we need. And I encourage you to pour into other people's lives because you are spiritually ahead of somebody. Do you want to know how far ahead you need to be? I used to think like miles ahead. I'm down to half a step. Half a step. Your life can be totally upside down in one area and you can strengthen somebody in another area. If you're waiting for your life to be all together before you begin to pour out and pour into other people's lives, you will never pour out. I will tell you right now, I pour into people's lives almost every day. And there's days where I'm like, my life is so upside down. Last weekend, I wasn't here. I was up north speaking at a men's retreat. And I'll tell you the exact same thing I told them. God can work through you right today, no matter what's going on, because he spoke through a donkey. You are more qualified than a donkey. It doesn't matter this past week how much you were a King James donkey. All the ones that aren't laughing are like, what's the King James say? Or they're like, he should not have said that. (laughs) Now all the ones that are like, I didn't even know he talked through a donkey. What am I missing out? I'll tell you another time. We have to come together. Martin Luther, he said this, at home in my house, there is no warmth or vigor in one. But in the church, when the multitude gather together, a fire is kindled in my heart, and it breaks its way through. I have two more points, and I'll fly through. Sorry for going so long today. The sixth thing is this. Gathering together, we actually have protection from Satan. Being in the the church and under the authority brings spiritual protection. 1 John 5, 19 says this. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So Paul... What Paul means is this, the destruction of flesh, flesh, we simply have a glimpse at what is happening. And so I'm going to read for you in 1 Corinthians. If anyone who drinks, eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats 
and drinks judgment on himself. We're talking about the body of Christ. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. We need the body of Christ to hold us up, to build us up, to strengthen us, to be together. And when we're together, we have more protection. Again, we talk about being deceived by sharing one another. The deceiving comes from the devil. He was the, the uh, king of, of lies, the father of lies. There we go. He's the father of lies. He wants to lie to you, steal, kill, and destroy you. By being together, we're protected by his lies. We're protected by his schemes. See, Satan, he can't work inside the church the same way that he can in the world. There's two reasons for that. The first one is this. We've already noted that outside the church, we are more vulnerable to the lies of the enemy. The second is this. The church is where God dwells. Being in fellowship with the local church affords you some kind of protection from Satan. The church is a refuge of sort from the devil. Let's be realistic. If you've ever watched the Animal Kingdom or the National Geographic on, on TV, anybody? Discovery Channel? Anybody? Anybody slightly entertained by the gazelle that gets destroyed by a lion? Anybody? Anybody confess with me that it's like, this is the coolest part? <laughs> when was the last time you were watching that and you saw a gazelle in the middle of the pack get hit? Right? Who does he go after? Or technically she. The weak ones. The ones that are by themselves. The ones that are like, I can do this on my own. And they go down, they're confident. They go to get a drink by themselves. They go down by the river. And they're just putting their head down by the river. No one's around. It's like, oh, peace and quiet. I don't have to worry about the racket of everybody else, the noise of everybody else. I don't have to listen to their complaining. I don't have to listen to their singing. I get to just enjoy this by myself. And they reach down to take a little drink of water and then bang! <laughs> the part of the show we all love. Don't be the gazelle drinking by yourself. Because I can tell you as a leader, it's the part of the show that I don't like. It's the part of life I don't like where we believe we can do it on our own. And then the only way you find out you don't is it's too late. Understand me. It's not too late to come back. It's not too late to come back to God. Okay? But you're coming back with a scar. Number seven, last one. Benefits of a church, a healthy church, benefits the community, which directly benefits us. A healthy, vibrant, and growing local church directly benefits the community, which then in turn benefits us. Understand what I'm saying. It doesn't benefit this community, okay? It's not, we're not talking about benefiting us. A healthy local church benefits its community, the community that it's in. Understand, in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have escaped the judgment had there been 10 righteous people. 
In 2017, uh, Dr. John Longhurst, he wrote an article entitled Places of Worship and the Halo Effect. He calls the halo effect the value of social and spiritual and communal capital that is places of worship contribute to their communities through various kinds of service, events, and activities. The calculations come from the Halo Project. Calculate, uh, the calculator made available to cities across Canada. So you can go and find this. A think, think tank based in Ontario. So this is a Canadian study. The study found that for every dollar spent by the congregation, oh, now I see why you talked about money. See? Every dollar that we spend in ministry to our community in 2017, they say that it, it values at $4.77. This is how it hits our community. It's in a community impact. It multiplies. And that's why I wanted to be clear that this is Canadian. It's Canadian dollars. We're not trying to compare American to Canadian. When we invest a dollar, it's like we're spending five. So let's go back to heavenly math. How God multiplies. Across Canada, this calculation estimates that places of worship in 19 major cities produce an economic benefit to the city of about $19.9 billion. As we begin to come in October, which we have called Givetober, and if you're new with us, that's where we give extra money, and it goes into a separate account here at the church, and we use it to reach and minister to our city. This year, in 20, from last year's Givetober, we have been able to bless so many different families in our community. Uh, we've given away more gift cards. Understand me here for a moment. Last year, I was able to tell you about, like, we've gone to the dentist, we've helped with dentures, we've done all these big things. This year, we've given away a lot of smaller things. What I mean by that is, we continually are handing out gift cards to grocery stores. Because families just need groceries. We have paid off some hydro bills. We have paid off some gas bills. We were able to send $3,000 to our high school. Because what happened was during COVID, technology was sent home to students that didn't have it. And when it came back, it was either uh, damaged or wasn't returned, and they just needed technology. What you have to understand is maybe some of us, many of us, we have technology in our home. Some of us have multiple devices that go online. But there are a lot of families that are connected to our high school that don't. And most of the things that they do now is online in some way or form. And so we were able to bless the high school so they could buy more Chromebooks. We did it in partnership with the board. And now students are able to go into the library and work on their schoolwork and get things done because of you. We continually get phone calls. We've worked with um, OneCare, who's helping people get medicine or get apartments and stuff like that. And what we've done is we've been able to cover somebody's medical care because they don't have coverage. So we buy 
meds for them. We've actually worked with them where the rent cost was just short or just over what One Care or Ontario Works would provide. And so instead of getting a hotel room every other week for people, we give a little bit to cover the cost of the monthly rent. This is what we do because of what you've done. So every dollar we spend, and realize this is 2017, is like five. This is why, as a church, this is why we give, is so we can be a hand extended to our community. This is why we're planting a site in St. Mary's, so we can extend our reach for God. This is why we do the things we do. This is why you gather together to build up each other, to encourage one another, so that we can minister and do God's work. You heard Pastor Kristen say it. It was actually Hillary Clinton once said, it takes a village to raise a child. But Dr. Maven Mitchell countered in her book entitled, It Takes a Church to Raise a Village. Our communities cannot be healthy unless our church is healthy. Our community can't be healthy unless each one of us loves and commits and contributes to this church. So will you join me this fall, starting today, to just recommit to your local church? Which if you're here or you're watching online and Bethel is not your home church, recommit to your home church. But I want you to understand the importance of being committed to your local church. If you call Bethel home and you're in this room or you're watching online, we need you here. We actually need you in person as well. It will strengthen you. It will strengthen us. And together we can do amazing things for God. So let's commit together today our time, our energy, and our finances back to the Father. Let's stand together. Prayer team, will you come and just line up across the front, even as I'm praying? Father, I thank you for why you've designed and created the church. Lord, you've designed it for our benefit. You've designed it to encourage us and build us up. And Lord, we've also done it so that you can strengthen us. We can strengthen each other. We can spur each other on. And then we can minister to our community. We can bring you into dark places. And so, Father, today, help us to recommit to you. Help us to come fully committed with our time, our energy, our finances, our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for bearing with me. I know this was a long one, and I apologize, but I thought it was something we all needed to hear today. Before you go, please take some time. Allow people to pray with you. As I said, don't walk out here the same. Let somebody pray and encourage you today. And so as we go, I'm just going to dismiss and pray but the altars are open. Come and receive prayer. So Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that there's people here to pray that we don't need to leave here the same as we came in. And so Father, as we go, let us be that light. Let us be your light in this community. Give us the heart for our neighbors. Let us see them through your eyes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast that's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 